0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now.
0: Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you you have to start at the beginning. Welcome in. We are live on this Friday as we get set for Memorial Day weekend. Make sure you guys give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL, of course, and at Mark Zinno M A R K Z I N N O. A lot to do today, including Britt of the Athletic going over Major League Baseball, the Braves' slow start. And the Mets hot start, we'll get to that coming up here in a little bit. Plus, we got Shovels of Wisdom, and we'll get you set for Memorial Day weekend. And we appreciate you guys making A to Z part of your everyday sports listen. thank you guys so much for being part of everything here at Locked On Sports Atlanta. All right, yesterday, uh, the Falcons had their first open media session during OTAs, and we got a first look at, at what uh, this team is going to be. That wasn't like the major headline. We'll get to that in a minute. Really, what came out of yesterday more than anything is that Deion Jones, uh, whose departure from the Falcons is imminent, Uh, he is having shoulder surgery or procedure or whatever it is that's going to sideline him for a couple of weeks or if not longer. And the timing of this is so incredibly curious. Um, You know, I, I find it hard to believe the Falcons didn't know about this. But maybe the fact that they haven't had any traction with trades uh, or any luck trading him outside of his salary, um, is because of this injury. And it sort of puts the Falcons in a very tough spot because let's just say, for argument's sake, they found somebody who was willing to take on his contract. And even if the Falcons only wanted a seventh round pick in return, they wanted nothing. Nobody's going to take him now because he's injured like there's no reason to give away anything for a guy who's injured especially when there is an imminent chance that he could just be released GMs don't just give away picks it doesn't matter whether it's seven rounders or not for nothing like there has to be some sort of equitable value in return and so you know better players bigger players than Deion Jones uh GMs have held out for and have waited for them to be cut so that they could just pick them up for nothing as opposed to giving away uh, a player for anything in return. So the timing of this is really curious. And while I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories, um, it, it does seem that like if Dion withheld this information and decided to wait till this point to tell the Falcons about an injury that he's had and went to outside doctors and everything else, he knows it would have put them in a bind. Right. Like he knows that one, whatever roster bonuses and things that were due um, before the June 1st date all were paid. um, You know, theoretically, he could show up to workouts and just sort of goof around and get workout bonuses. I I don't even I'm not even being specific about what his contract actually states. I'm just saying the timing in general. And again, I don't want to assume that Deion Jones was doing anything nefarious or anything like that. But the timing definitely raises those thoughts and raises those questions, because now. It's the Falcons have to cut him and everybody will just wait to pick him up as opposed to him being traded to somewhere he might not want to go, might not want to play. And, and you know, Dion's attitude may have been, look, I got all my guaranteed money already. Uh, save a couple of, you know, roster bonuses and workout bonuses and things down the road, which are small, comparatively speaking, to what his overall guarantees were at signing. Um, he's willing to just say, OK, then cut me and I'll I'll go play where I want. I'll, somebody will pick me up or I'll get, a ch- I'll get a chance to choose where I want to play kind of deal. So the timing of this is very, very difficult for the Falcons. And that doesn't mean they can't wait it out and try to trade him in August uh, and see if anybody's interested then. Maybe there's some injuries during camp. Maybe there's some stuff that happens that, you know, uh, comes out or, or whatever. You know, guys fail drug tests, whatever it may be, that all of a sudden there may be a need for a middle linebacker like Deion Jones somewhere, and they may be able to figure out, you know, where they could trade him for something. That's probably the other thing, but again, that doesn't provide the Falcons with with much cap relief now. Well, there are still somewhat high level free agents out there, whether it's Akeem Hicks, Odell Beckham Jr., wherever it may be, you know that they would want to pursue that they would need the cap money right after June 1st to be able to get, and now they can't. So that part to me is a little bit curious and and a little bit head scratching. And I'm sure we'll see how the rest of the events will unfold. And maybe it'll come out down the road exactly what happened and how this whole thing went. Maybe it won't, but um, to say that it, the timing isn't interesting, um, to say the least is, is, you know, uh, I think would be false. Let's get to the other part of yesterday. That was important. You know, and that's Arthur Smith. And, and I've talked a lot about this. Um, and I am somebody who, you know, is foolishly optimistic. I don't want to say foolishly optimistic. I am somebody who is guardedly optimistic about what Arthur Smith can do. I am not expecting them to win eight games. I'm not expecting them to be above 500. I'm not expecting them to get to the playoffs. I am expecting them to be more competitive than what people think. And I'm going to continue to say that until the regular season gets here. I am expecting them to be more competitive than what people think. I've said this for years, and if you've listened to A to Z, you know this. How you win never matters. How you lose always matters. If the Falcons are getting their doors blown off this season and losing games 36-6, to that's a problem. However, if they are in games and games are close and competitive, even if they are in a 28-24 game heading into the fourth quarter and a couple of sloppy mistakes lead to two touchdowns for the other team and you end up with a final score of 42-24, to which looks like a blowout on paper, but in reality wasn't, those are the type of games I think we can tolerate. Those are the type of games where, if you're watching closely, and even average fans can figure out, hey, this team is being competitive. This team has more to it than what we thought. I feel good about Arthur Smith doing that, despite the roster, despite the lack of talent overall at many, many positions, despite the high-level quarterback play, despite all those things. I truly believe that Arthur Smith is the kind of coach that can make this team Competitive given where they are. And if down the road you get them better players, well, then we start to elevate. Down the road is down the road. I'm just talking about this year. And I've even said this before right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta on A to Z that I think that the Falcons could make Vegas look foolish, that they probably can win five or six games. And if they win six games, as I said before, if they win six games with this roster, with this team, that's one win less than they got last year with Matt Ryan. That is a phenomenal job by arthur smith falcons fans should be doing backflips about a team that wins one less game with matt ryan than they did without him. without matt ryan than they did with him got it <laughs> i mean and i know fans will complain about the draft pick and they want somebody lower and this that and the other I, I get it i get it i get it i get it but still in the big picture as a coach you have to be able to love that part of it because you know what guys If Arthur Smith can get the six wins with this team and this roster, then it doesn't really matter where he drafts, whether it's 10th or 5th, whatever player they get, he can coach him, right? Whatever players they pick up in free agency next year with all the cap room, he can coach them. Don't worry about the draft pick because free agency next year is where the Falcons need to make their money. We're getting ahead of ourselves but let's see how good this team can be. Let's see how competitive they can be. And let's see if they can start to actually surprise some people and win a little bit a couple more games than people think that they should. All right, speaking of competitive, when will the Braves start to be more competitive than what they are? Maybe as competitive as the Mets. Brett Giroli of the Athletic will join us next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta welcome back to a to z here on locked on sports atlanta free on youtube and wherever you get your podcast you search locked on sports atlanta give us a follow on twitter at locked on atl of course i'm Matt mark zinno m-a-r-k-z-i-n-n-o braves lose their finale and split their four game series with the philadelphia phillies after aaron nola pitched a gem last night braves strike out way too much still uh something we've been addressing all season long here to talk about that and a whole lot more with major league baseball she is absolutely one of the best reporters I've never been around in Major League Baseball. Uh, I remember her from when she was just a little bitty young upstart reporter on the Orioles beat with me many, many years ago. But she has now graduated, gone on to be one of the best reporters in Major League Baseball from The Athletic. It is Britt Jiroli joining us here on A to Z. Hi, Britt. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Quite the intro. I hope I can live up to
0: the hype. You have exceeded the hype. I'll give everybody a little background. So I remember Britt came from Tampa Bay. Um, were you actually on MLB.com when you started in Tampa Bay? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you came from Tampa Bay. and I remember you got like the main job on the Orioles beat. You're like you were the main MLB beat writer. Uh and I remember when you first got there and I was just like this radio wise ass who just, you know, ran around and ran his mouth all over town. So, uh but I was very jovial and I remember sitting next to you and we would always talk about the baseball games and the team and everything else and uh you were always such a wealth of knowledge and Britt worked harder than anybody in the media uh, and that was obvious and it was evident and she cultivated great relationships. And um, it was so great to see like when the Orioles actually got good for a hot spot, there, um, you got to be part of that celebration uh, and, you know, got champagne and ice buckets dumped all over you in the locker room. Those were the good old times. And of course you've graduated onto MLB. You've been several awards and and everything else, but you are just an outstanding reporter, an amazing storyteller. If you guys don't read her stuff, like when Britt dives into a topic, it is off the charts in depth, like pulls you in, sucks you in. So, and that's what I love about you. Your storytelling is great for Major League Baseball. But the Braves story this year has not been uh, what you had hoped. Uh, I don't don't know if it's a World Series hangover or what. I, I think that there are some systemic flaws in this team that have nothing to do with the hangover. As I mentioned before, the strikeouts are just way too much. They have the highest K rate of any team in Major League Baseball. They're getting good starting pitching. The bullpen has lived up to what they want. You got a bunch of guys who really aren't hitting uh, you know, to the back of the baseball card, as they say. So how do you diagnose the Braves' problems, and can they get out of them how quickly?
1: Yeah, so to me, they just look right now like a mediocre team, which would be fine if they weren't a team that won the World Series last year and had expectations that were really through the roof. And I look at a couple things, Mark. I look at the absence of Freddie Freeman, which I get Matt Olson. you know, people make the case that he's better, he's younger. Um, but I wonder, from a clubhouse standpoint, Who is in there kind of saying, let's pull our head out of our ass. Let's turn this around. Um, I I wonder who the leader on that team is right now. Um, I think people don't realize, you know, you've been in clubhouses, that intangible factor. I think maybe they're missing a little bit of that. Um, You could point to the fact that Ronald Acuna Jr. hasn't really been a factor, except he wasn't a factor last year. And they won the (laughs) World Series. So it's really hard to say. You know, we need Ronald Acuna Jr. As you said, the strikeouts are an issue. The offense is very mediocre. To me, the the biggest issue has been consistency. They'll play two really good games and then they'll lose. They they haven't won more than two games in a row, which is a mediocre team, right? Good teams go through really bad stretches. They look through, they look at certain points like they're never going to win again. The Braves didn't always look like this World Series winner last year. Um, But they have these good stretches where they win 10 of 12. They win six of seven. We haven't seen the Braves reel off anything like that. They haven't been able to be consistent. And that just shows you throughout their roster that they've just kind of been league average. And league average teams don't have these long win streaks. So to me, there's a lot of talent on this team. I'm not super panicking. I think if you look at the team above them, the team leading the division in the Mets, there's a lot of holes there. Um, They're missing Jacob DeGrom. They're missing Max Scherzer. Um, How much longer can they do that? They have a really tough stretch um, out on the West Coast coming up. So there is an opportunity for the Braves to make up some space here before we get into the second half of the season. Uh, But they've just got to put it together more consistently. And I don't know what the answer is because there is talent in there. I don't know if you can just snap your fingers and say, we need a leader. You be the leader, right? I just don't think it works like that. So I'm curious to see if that Freddie Freeman-sized hole ever really gets filled.
0: All right, a couple of things. One, again, the Braves do have a soft stretch coming up against the Rockies, the A's, the Pirates, and the Nationals. So I I, I put June 15th – this is about three weeks ago. I put June 15th as a date on the wall where they need to be above 500. When they finish that series with the Nationals, if they're not above 500, that's when I'm officially going to push the panic button. But I do want to address what you talked about with the clubhouse because – your colleague at The Athletic here in Atlanta, Jeff Schultz, t- wrote, wrote a, a column the other day about Jeff Francoeur, who does the, the TV broadcast for the Braves, talked about the Braves needing an A-hole in a locker room last year. Jock Peterson was that guy. A couple of years ago, it was Josh Donaldson. Now, I push back on that a little bit, and I certainly understand the point, but I think that person is more pivotal when you haven't won a World Series. Like Everybody in that locker room knows, everybody in that clubhouse knows exactly what it takes to go win a World Series. Right. There's nobody there, with the exception of Matt Olson, there's nobody there who didn't go through all this last year and knows exactly what you need to do to play high level baseball. Like that part to me is troublesome. I get the idea of needing a leader and Freddie's veteran presence. I asked the question from the beginning how much are they going to miss him from that standpoint? You know what they really need more than anything? They need a Nick Markakis. And you know, you know Nicky like I know Nicky. They need a Nick Markakis is what they need. But I mean, seriously, though, about the whole leader in the clubhouse thing, I get it. But come on, these guys. I feel like that's an excuse at this point after you've won the World Series the previous year.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something to that. I also think people don't realize how hard it is to win again. I mean, I saw it in D.C. covering the Nationals in 19. The problem is everybody is exhausted, and you lose a month of your offseason. No one's Mm going to complain because you won the World Series, but it is really tough. The season started on time this year. You've got relievers that were stretched to the max. You've got position players that never played that much that hard in really meaningful games in late October. And so there is a little something, not to the hangover, but to just the emotional, physical, mental fatigue of something like that that I don't think people realize. The Yankees dynasty back in the late 90s, early 2000s, the last team that won back to back. To go to the National League, though, Zeno, you gotta go back to like the 1970s. <laughs> the
0: Reds, right?
1: Really, really to do, and I don't think people realize that either. So many things had to go right for the Braves. Just like in D.C. with the Nationals, so many things had to go right. So many guys had to play kind of above their skis. And what are the chances of that happening again? I mean, baseball is a cruel, cyclical game, and I think that there's definitely an element of that with the Braves as well.
0: You mentioned the Mets. Uh, and the one question that everybody keeps asking is, when are the Mets going to Mets, right? Like, it's, it's, you know, we feel like it's inevitable. Uh, and it's hard to Mets when you have Jacob deGrand, Max Sherver. But as you said, they, they don't have those guys right now but still they're finding a way to win to win ball games Outside of the starting staff, what has made the match much of a better more consistent team this year?
1: Well, a couple things. First, their lineup has been the most improved lineup in baseball, I think. Um, you look at uh, how they've been able to make contact at just a ridiculous clip, and that's helped. I think teams that we know that teams in the playoffs that advance are the teams that don't strike out very much. So you mentioned the Braves strikeouts, and that's something that's going to come into play when you look at the baseballs this year and the fact that yeah they probably are more dead, just making contact is going to be a lot more important. It's going to up your chances versus that all or nothing like home run or sw- or strikeout kind of approach. Um, I think the Buck-Schulwalter effect, you can't discount that. They have won games based off of insane rules that only Buck knew. So I think that's something as well. Like he's really good, as you know, at steadying the ship. So they lose Jacob DeGrom, they lose Max Scherzer. He's not a guy who's going to panic. He's going to kind of pull them in and say it's us versus everybody else. That's what he does so well, and I think that's been key as well. The coaches that he brought in have also had a real tangible effect on the fundamentals. You're not seeing, like, LOL Mets plays. They're not throwing the ball around. So I think that combined with the offense has helped them kind of withstand this tough stretch. They do need bullpen help. They can't go forever with a rotation that's kind of headed up by Chris Bassett right now. He got really hit hard in his last outing, but they have built up such a lead, the biggest lead they've ever had at this point in the season in franchise history, seven and a half games, that they can have like a bad week or two waiting for these guys to come back and still be okay.
0: You realize outside of the Buck Walter effect, when you say it's the biggest lead they've ever had, it only just means the collapse is like imminent. You know, like it, it's it would be on par for the Mets to have the biggest lead they've ever had and still not win the NLE's title. But the, a different conversation. And, and the Buck Walter thing is huge. And you know that better than anybody, as do I, from uh, his time in Baltimore. He just has such an innate ability to make players better. Uh, and make everybody better around each other. It's just, it's the weirdest thing. And as growing up as a Yankee fan, I don't really care if the Mets win a World Series anymore. It's like I'm actually rooting for it at some point in time for all my Mets fan friends. But uh, it would be fitting for Buck to do it uh, with the Mets, considering how close he got with the Yankees, what, 30 years ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it'd be cool to see. I mean, listen, I think Mets fans, I also think the Mets should be rewarded for doing things right. Steve Cohen spent money. And a lot of ownership groups are cutting back right now. So I kind of like to see that rewarded. I would like to see a team with a big payroll that went all in, that wanted to win, actually win. I think that's good for the sport in general versus these like small market teams that are nice underdog stories. But all they do is teach other ownership groups like, oh, I want to be like that. How can we slash our payroll to $70 and become the Tampa Bay Rays, right? So I do think that on a larger scale, the Mets being good is good for baseball as much as Braves fans and people listening to this are like, shut up, Brittany. They're in the NL East. Um, I do think I overall, from a macro level, it is no, hundred
0: percent. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Braves fans are 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 not happy with the budget that the arbitrary budget that Liberty Media has imposed uh, on this franchise. Because again, they 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 could go out and and sign a high level free agent that really pushes them like heads above everybody else, similar to what the Yankees and Dodgers do. You mentioned big payrolls. The Yankees are playing 700 baseball, which is insane. Um, And they don't feel like a 700 baseball team. Like, I remember growing up with the 98 Yankees, the team that won 125 games that year, and they were unbeatable. Um, And they felt like a machine. This team doesn't. Somehow they keep stringing together wins, uh, and I'm not really sure. And the same thing with the Dodgers. So, like, are these teams really – is it too early to call them that much of a juggernaut, or do we have to wait a little bit longer to see if this is actually sustainable?
1: Yeah, so I think the Dodgers are a little bit more of, like, the 98 Yankees, as you mentioned. A little yeah. bit more like, the up-and-down, like, wow factor. The Yankees right now, Nestor Cortez Jr. has been one of their best pitchers, right? Like, so they're not that team at all. Um, they're a team that's really overperformed. And I think people thought they were going to be good, but nobody thought they were going to be this is dominant. Uh, and they really are the most dominant team in the American League, the first team to reach 30 wins. The Dodgers were the first team in the National League to reach 30 wins. Um, a couple things to me kind of stand out about this staff um, as a whole. They're all using cutters a lot more. And that goes for Garrett Cole all the way down to Nestor Cortez. The cutter usage of each guy individually has really been upped. And you're seeing a lot of success in the Yankees pitching staff as a result. I mean, we, you always talk about Judge and Stanton when we're talking about the Yankees. And like, yes, it is important. Yes, Aaron Judge has probably played himself into an even bigger contract than the one he turned down with the Yankees. Right. But I think we can all agree that if they don't pitch, if this rotation doesn't hold itself together, they are going nowhere. And so I think when you look at the starting staff and you look at the difference and how they're approaching and attacking hitters, that to me makes this seem more sustainable than like a hot month by Aaron judge.
0: Yeah. uh, You mentioned the cutter and I've said this for years. Uh, and it was particularly when it comes to relievers and closers. Nobody ever hung a cutter, right? Nobody. Mark Wallace hung a slider. Look what happened. I right? hate, sorry, Braves fans. I had to bring it up, but you know, I mean, that's 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 where guys get beat. If you miss on a cutter, guess what? Um, guys may make contact, but it's not a guarantee that they're going to loft the ball 350 feet. Uh, and and I would, I think that's a really smart approach because. Your, your mistake pitches aren't as bad as they are when you do sliders or curveballs or, or breaking pitches or whatever.
1: Yeah, and it just seems like everything the Yankees are doing right now, and again, it's only Memorial Day weekend. This is kind of how front offices say, okay, well now we can like look at stats, right? Like Now the sample size is big enough that it matters. So it is very early. The Yankees are one of the older teams in baseball. Injuries are always going to be a concern with that kind of a roster. But it seems like everybody they bring in sort of fits right now i mean they get matt carpenter not even sure he's going to play then he gets added to the lineup ends up scoring some runs in you know having a part in that win and that to me is kind of quintessential of this year's yankees team right they're just getting these random contributions everywhere and that's what the really good teams do as you know as you saw in atlanta last year you can't just rely on the one or two superstars you need the guys that people don't really like count, people count out, people don't really say like, oh yeah, Matt Carpenter, that, well, now we're going to win. Um, you need those guys, those big yeah. players to step up, and that's what's happening in New York.
0: The Eddie Rosarios of the world and the Jorge Solares were were major parts of why the Braves were crowned champions. She's Britt Giroli of The Athletic. Make sure you guys follow her on Twitter at Britt underscore Giroli and check out all the amazing work on The Athletic. Uh, I want you to have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Take yourself a little vacation. Thanks for the time. I certainly appreciate it. You're the best.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. Take care
0: all right we'll be right back shovels of wisdom wrap things up next here on a to z on locked on sports atlanta free on youtube and wherever you get your podcast you search locked on sports atlanta welcome back to a to z here on locked on sports atlanta free on youtube and wherever you get your podcast search locked on sports atlanta make sure you check out all of the great shows here that we have on the locked on sports atlanta network after a to z you got hitting harder john chuckery atl day ones with jarvis davis and Tanitra Batisse. don't forget about our braves postcast after every braves game with grant mccauley as well as locked on falcons with aaron freeman and locked on hawks with brad Rowland. the entire team here building something really special we're we so happy that you guys are part of us this whole thing with us we've already passed 1500 subscribers on our youtube channel and go there as well like and subscribe to our youtube channel where you can watch all of our uh all of our all of our shows every day and uh of course you know, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever it may be, of course, Locked On Sports Atlanta, the place to go. But it's been a lot of fun being part of this venture. Uh, there was a column in the AJC by Rodney Ho on me on uh, just joining this whole thing and what it's been about and how much fun it's been. So check that out. You can go to my Twitter feed. It's been on there as well, at Mark Zino. But I appreciate everybody uh, showing support and love here to Locked On Sports Atlanta. We're having a lot of fun. All right. Uh, we are going to wrap things up here, get you set for this Memorial Day weekend. Now it's time for Shovels of Wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom.
2: Yeah, if you want to leave me a shovel, you can on Twitter, at I'll Just use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today, my shovel goes to Nita Marie. Okay, Nita Marie is a... 36 years old. Uh, she is a devout Christian. The problem is, is that uh, well, she is an a OnlyFans star uh, who makes about 120000 dollars a month. And uh, Nita claims that God has directly told her she keep be living until she's 75. Uh, she's one of the top earners, uh, and she believes this is all part of God's divine plan. Uh, she told, uh, in an interview, said in an interview, quote, God is guiding me through my only career. And he said, I should continue creating content until my 70s. She says that uh, this whole thing is a huge part of her faith. Uh, and, quote, when we experience, and we going to paraphrase here, when we experience to go with someone else, we share a small part about how God feels with us. <laughs> right. mm. Yeah, she's based in Colorado. And uh, she says she found her faith while uh, having a dream about Jesus when she was just nine years old. All right. Well, she says, uh, I asked God if you want to continue doing this. And the answer is always, yes. Yeah. We have to, uh, gods side. Have to, have to do for us. We can be against this kind of deal get through but We're getting only the that it that. People are $20,000 a year. But, hey, again, I guess anything possible. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I did want to take another quick moment here as well. Like the mood, not really, or at least we'll get away from sports. Um, yesterday, uh, after we recorded the show, we had news that, uh, that Ray Leona passed away. Of course, you know, uh, one of the greatest movies of all time. And uh, the opening scene says it very perfectly, and you hear that perfect maritime voice. Liotta. As far back as I remember, I always wanted to Yep, that's it. See, that's that's the line that we all remember from Goodfellas and one of the greatest movies of all time. And of course you remember him from Goodfells and Field of Dreams and what he's most known for. Uh he is also the voice of Tommy Bersetti in the video game. Grandfell's, I thought was made of course it that but you know, uh, just super sad man to see iconic actor. I don't think he gets enough credit for a law production. I really don't. I thought that was a a very well done drama story kind of film. I played a very movies that just gone to the past and over life. you know, uh, everybody in that movie really can't just get their scribe very active a whole time very active active or in black forever, you know, again, not always the best. As you get set to the Memorial Day weekend, weekend. weekend. Mm-hmm. I say this every single year. Uh, that's exactly they, uh, very uh, remember the mm-hmm. distinguishment between the Moral mm-hmm. weekend and the Memorial uh, mm-hmm. Day. The Day mm-hmm. weekend is not a day to thank the is a day to remember those who have made sacrifice and So, whatever you